today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. I believe that as John writes, there's times that he is absolutely overwhelmed by the very presence and and the essence of Almighty God and the very presence of the resurrected and the glorified Jesus in all of this situation. And you know what? I hope that as we go through this study that there's going to be those kinds of times for us. We're just going to read this. We're going to look at this. and We're just going to be blown away with just the faithfulness and the might and the power, the awesomeness and the glory of God, that as we look at this, it's more than just words on a paper, but it's the reality of the hope that's in us as believers. Have you ever stopped to consider what it was like for John to write Revelation? Pastor David wants to inspire us towards such an intimate walk with the Lord. We too can have a close relationship with him. The ball is in our court. He's always willing to hear from us. He'd never turn us away or say that he's too busy. Our rapport with God is all dependent on how much we put into it. If we are a Sunday Christian, then we're not going to be close with Him. But being with Him daily brings intimacy. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 1 with today's edition of The Open Word. Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. The very word of God that was given to Christ, Christ gave it to one of the angelic messengers who then gave it to John to be able to write it down for us. I don't think you're going to get much greater authority than that. Okay, I know we're not going to get much greater authority than that. No greater authority. God himself, God the Father, through God the Son, sending an angelic messenger to have John write these things down. Even the the very syntax and the direction of the whole thing, a direct message from God. So yet in a whole other vein, I find something pretty fascinating about this whole declaration that's made in this first verse, particularly in light of questions that were asked to Jesus during his ministry. Look at this first verse again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. Do you remember in Jesus's ministry back in the Gospels, Having discussions with his disciples, we read it in Matthew chapter 24, Luke 21, and in Mark 3, similar kind of dialogue going on. The disciples came, and it says, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? 
Now, in Mark chapter 3 and also in Matthew 21, he goes through and he speaks, or 24, he goes through and he talks about those, some of these end time scenarios, some of the signs that you can look for. But at the end of his conversation, it's really interesting. Do you remember what Jesus said? He says, but of that day and of that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And he says, take heed, watch, and pray, for you don't know when the time is. And now here in Revelation, we read the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, the Son, to show his servants things which must shortly take place. So here he was on earth ministering to his disciples. They wanted to know when his second coming was going to be. And he says, you know what? You don't know. The angels don't know. I don't know. Only the Father in heaven knows. Now he's ascended into the heavens. All things are revealed at this point of time. Just like for you and I, right? And Paul says that for right now, we see like in a mirror dimly, but then we're going to be able to see face to face. For now we know in part, but then we shall know just also as we are known. There's going to be an enlightenment at that time. How all of that worked, again, when Jesus, uh, again, robed himself with humanity, he didn't take off deity, but he humbled himself taking on humanity and for somehow, some way through, again, the economy, the workings of God, which are far beyond anything that I can even begin to apprehend. Jesus didn't know the time, but yet the Father did. Yet they were both God. But now, as Jesus is in the heavenlies, he knows that time. It's been revealed. He gives part of that information now to John. Again, the revelation now it's it's been shown to the son uh and now by his servants by the angels he's going to send a revelation to John the apostle and again the word there says and he Jesus sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John and then it says who bore witness to that who bore witness it's interesting there in verse 2 He bore witness. We read how John bears witness to what? The word of God. He bore witness to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he bore witness to all things that he saw. I see three different categories here. He bore witness to the word of God. And here, once again, that that word of God, this is the very same logos, the logos of God. The essence, the nature, the, the logic of, of who God is, the very, the very being of God, revealed through the Son in human flesh and now being revealed through the Son to John by way of an angelic messenger. Remember, this is the same John writing here that wrote in First John, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Now John here writing in Revelation. He says it's been now revealed to me the logos of God. There's something that's being that's happening even here in these passages of Revelation that's either even a greater revelation to him. He's experiencing the logos in, in an entirely and a whole new way. His experience he already experienced the logos through the incarnation of Jesus. But now here He's experiencing these things, 
once again, from the one who is the truth, whose word is truth. These things we can rely upon now as authority. You see, Paul wrote about his apostleship. John says, I'm writing by the very word of God. That's the authority that he writes. And I believe that as John writes, there's times that he is absolutely overwhelmed by the very presence and and the essence of Almighty God and the very presence of the resurrected and the glorified Jesus in all of this situation. And you know what? I hope that as we go through the study that there's going to be those kinds of times for us. We're just going to read this. We're going to look at this. and We're just going to be blown away with just the faithfulness and the might and the power, the awesomeness and the glory of God, that as we look at this, it's more than just words on a paper, but it's the reality of the hope that's in us as believers. The second thing that that John bore witness to was the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we'll find times throughout the book of Revelation where John is receiving his message, actually not from that angel, but actually through Jesus himself. The angel brings part of the message, but there are times that Jesus himself is speaking to John. John is able to hear that testimony. That testimony of Jesus means that it comes directly from him, not through another source. I'm going to put you on the spot, my brother Vic, when someone comes to a courtroom and it's not their story, but it's someone else's story that they're telling, what is that called? Hearsay. Hearsay. It's not a good testimony. It's not a solid testimony. Hearsay can't even be entered into the courtroom. Is that correct? correct? That's correct. So you need the strict and the direct testimony. John says, I bear witness of the testimony of Jesus. That becomes then judicial evidence for the validity of what John is writing. It's the record, it's the report that's given by eyewitness testimony, wholly admissible in any kind of a court of law. John is going to share that with us, not what someone else tells him that Jesus said, but what Jesus told him exactly, the very words of Jesus himself, as he shows and as he speaks about these things to John. And again, very strong authority in what John is writing for us. The third thing that John bears witness of is the things that he himself saw with his own eyes. Again, what I see with my own eyes Well, that becomes real. That that becomes true. You can tell me all about something, but it really doesn't come true to me until I actually see it. Some of you have been in Arizona for a long time. You've never been to the Grand Canyon. Perhaps people have told you about it. Perhaps people have shown you pictures. But all of that is nothing compared to standing on the edge of either the 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 the, the northern edge of it or the, the southern edge and just looking at the grandeur and the majesty of it. John saw the very grandeur, the majesty of what God is doing. He saw the very presence of Jesus. These are the things, a tremendous amount of things throughout this whole revelation that he writes down. Many of the things, it's interesting, he tries to describe them in earthly language, in a language that you and I can understand. But you know what? He's using earthly language to describe something that is celestial, let me ask you here, you're my Wednesday night crowd, I'll, I'll accept a little bit of feedback from you, uh, not like my Saturday ones. 
what was it that the steam locomotive was called in, out in the West by the Native Americans? What did they call that? The iron horse. Why in the world would you call that the iron horse? Because it was the only thing in their language that they could kind of describe what was going on there. In the same way, John is seeing celestial events and things going on, and he's going to try and bring that down into a language that you and I can understand. That's why some of the things we can look and say, you know what, I think we can take that absolutely literal. There might be other things that we might say, wow, I don't know how that can be literal, but apparently it is just so amazingly powerful that John used the best words that he could to describe it for us. And we'll look at that, not in lessening the impact or the power of the word, because I don't want to do that in any way, shape, or form. But I want you to understand that language becomes a barrier. Even if you're speaking to someone in another language, you might not use the exact same words that you want to use. You need to bring it down to your extent of that other language, your ability of that other language. So in the same way, we'll look at that as we go through John's testimony of what he saw, what he beheld with his own eyes, just again, the majesty and the glory of it. So there you have it. What we'll be reading, what we'll be studying throughout this whole book, and the authority by which it stands, it comes from the Word of God, it comes from the testimony of Jesus Christ himself, and it comes from the experience that John had, the personal, actual experience during that time. So, this then, this, this threefold confirmation of, of the truth and the reliability of the scriptures. Again, for each one of the believers of that time, but also for us in this age. And because it is true, because it is a word that's reliable for us, John then gives this blessing in verse 3. Listen to what he says. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Why would I be blessed because I read this? Well, because it's the word of God, because it's the testimony of Jesus, and because the reality of it, John saw himself. And so I'm, I'm blessed to be able to read it, but much more than read it. Do you see again three things here? He says, blessed are you if you read it. But then he also says, and those who hear it, the words of this prophecy. But then thirdly, and keep those things which are written in it. This whole idea of reading it, just like the rest of the word of God. It does us absolutely no good to sit on the shelf Monday through Saturday and pick it up on Sunday and carry it into church, open it up to a passage where the pastor is reading, and when you're done on Sunday, close it back, it goes back on the shelf. It's there for us to read. Do you realize how blessed we are of all people, literally of all ages, of all ages? We have it here. We have it here. We have it on our cell phones. We have it on the television. We have it on the radio. I don't know how many 
copies of the Bible I've got at home. I really don't know. I've got scads of copies, okay? Different versions, different ones, uh, different formats of it, all kinds of things. How blessed we are of all people. You would think that we'd have the thing memorized because we've got so much opportunity. But you know what? It's literally generations and generations ago that they had it memorized. That they would memorize vast portions of Scripture because they didn't have the ease by which we have it. They knew that if they were going to know and to learn the Word of God, when they had opportunity, they had to read it and they had to memorize it. They had multiple places. They learned to read, learn the very elementary points of reading by reading the Word of God and learning how to read through the Word of God. What an awesome thing. And what a great mistake we have in our culture today when suddenly it becomes so convenient that it's taken so for granted. He says, blessed are you if you read this. The second thing, he says, more than just reading, you have to hear the message. And again, that's, that's more than just an auditory skill of being able to physically hear a word. It deals more with that cognitive skill of being able to understand what you read and what you hear. In other words, I hear it, but do I understand it? I I hear noise, but is it making any kind of an impact in my life? As Jesus speaks to these seven churches, we're going to read it over and over and over again. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm looking around the room. Most everybody in here has at least two ears. So you're okay, right? I don't think that he's just saying, if you got an ear, you're okay. I believe that what he's saying is, if you have an ear to understand, to comprehend this, then you need to hear and you need to comprehend and understand what the Spirit of God is speaking. I don't believe that Jesus was just worried about whether or not he was speaking loud enough for everybody to hear. Or if he was pronouncing all of his words correctly so that everyone could understand exactly what he was saying. It all dealt with the heart of the issue. To the church of Ephesus. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the church of Smyrna, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Pergamos, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Pergamos, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Thyatira, he who has an ear, let him hear what the, what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Sardis, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Philadelphia, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Laodicea, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking to the churches. So tonight, I say the same thing. If you've got an ear, hear what God is saying from this book. It's important that you read it. 
and that you hear it, you understand it. Blessed is he who reads it and those who hear the words of this prophecy. Over and over and over again, men, women, and young people hear with their ears the word of God. They hear what it declares, and yet they stop short of allowing that message to be able to penetrate their heart and change their lives. And again, we as a nature, we as a culture, we're just flooded with the word of God. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, our own radio station, Grace 91.1 FM, by the way, uh, our own radio station, you can hear preaching 70% of a 24-hour day nearly. And all over, you hear it, we hear it everywhere we go. And yet, the sad thing is, so many let it go in one ear and out the other, and it never drops down into the heart, or as I've been saying lately, dropping even further down into our feet and into our hands to actually be doing the word of God, not hearers only, as James says. The writer of Proverbs tells us, one who turns his ears from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. That's pretty heavy. Proverbs 28.9, he who turns his ear away from the law. That doesn't mean just saying, la, 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 la. That also means, I heard it but I'm not going to let it do anything to my life. I'm not going to let it interfere with my life. And he says, if that's the way it is, if the word of God isn't impacting and affecting your life, then you know what? Your prayer is an abomination to God. That's heavy-duty stuff. Hearing the word and yet living in disobedience to it. Listen to what Jesus taught his disciples. If you want to, you can turn to Matthew 13. We'll be back in Revelation. But in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is speaking. His disciples wanted to know, why do you speak so much in parables? Jesus responded to them in Matthew 13, verse 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and Hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people has grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. He's speaking of those who only hear with the ears and not hear with the heart. And so back in Revelation, that's why John says, Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear, hear with understanding the words of this prophecy. Then the third thing that he says, there's a blessing to those of you who, have, who keep those things which are written in it. Open 
the letters to the churches found in Revelation 2 and 3 repeat the phrase, to the one who overcomes, followed with a promise centered in God's goodness to his people. What does overcoming look like for you today? Maybe it's just getting up in the morning, getting dressed, and going out into life. Maybe it's continuing to sing his praises even through a tough circumstance. Maybe overcoming today is holding on to that small hope that tomorrow can be a better day in your marriage. Take some time today to check out those promises, remembering to hold on to Jesus because he is our hope. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. We know that life is tough, but doing life in community can make even the hardest situation more bearable. With that in mind, here's Pastor David with an invitation for you. Hey, if you're in the Casa Grande area and you're looking for a church to attend, I'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. At 6.30 p.m., we meet on Wednesday evenings and Saturday evenings. You can find directions and a little more about the church by visiting theopenword.com. Follow the links at the bottom of the page to Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I'm excited to have you be a part of our time of Bible study and fellowship. Our website, one more time, is theopenword.com. Information about the church is at the bottom of that page, the link for Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Thanks, Pastor David. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Pastor David still has much to share, though, so be sure to tune in again to continue walking verse by verse through Revelation. That's right here on The Open Word. Make-